All right. So I guess tonight, if I had to title what I'm going to talk about, I, I'm going to call it my house. Um, so God uses a lot of analogies. Uh, and, well, in the Bible and with me, I'm kind of dumb. So I need to uh, see things in pictures and understand stuff from things that I already know. So, so he uses analogies a lot um, with me and, and, and with everybody to understand the principles that, that he uh, is trying to teach me. This, I'm, sorry, I'm going to trip over this cord. Um, so he uses er- earthly knowledge that I have or that we have to teach us about heavenly principles that we need to know. So tonight I'm going to talk about our house, but not like a physical house, but our, the, our house being our body um, or ourselves, rather, including our body, our soul, and our, and our spirit. So before we get going, I just want to pray <laughs> for my sake. <laughs> Maybe uh, it'll help. <laughs> I know it will help. So, Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and alive and uh, applicable to us today. Father, I just praise you for what you have to say to us tonight. I pray you'd open our ears to hear, uh, our hearts to receive, and we thank you for it and give you praise. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So um, one of the awesome things I think that God has given us is free will. Um, so that the, the ability to make choices and to uh, do what we want, I guess, in a sense, is, is what free will is. So sometimes that can get us into a lot of trouble. Um, but on the other hand, it, it can be a great thing. Um, it's up to us to decide what you're going to do with that, which is, you know, definition of free will. So we have the choice how to build our house, what we put in it, who gets to come in it, who gets to stay in it, who gets to live in it. Um, so the, the scripture that kind of jogged my mind to this is Revelations 3.20. Um, none of the scriptures I'm going to use tonight are really off the wall, so probably you've heard this scripture. Um, so it starts, Revelation 3.20 uh, says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, period. It's not the end of it, but that's where we're going to stop right now. So the, a while ago, I think the last time Greg Terry was here, which you all know he's like my buddy, I'm getting beat up in chess right now, by the way, um, although I got him last time. Um, he talked, I believe it was the last time he was here, he talked about reading the Bible slower and reading it uh, a little bit at a time and really giving your, yourself a chance to dig deeper and get meaning out of small things. And, and it really gave me a, a little bit of freedom with the way I read because I'm not the best reader. I never have been a great reader. Um, it takes me a while to comprehend. Sometimes I'll have to go back and reread things multiple times in order to comprehend it or say it out loud and talk in stupid voices and, and do all these things just to read, like, a paragraph. Um, so in school, it was hard because, you know, they'd give you, you have to read three chapters tonight. And I was like, oh, God, it's going to take me, like, three hours. And then people like Rachel was over like, oh, I did it in class because <laughs> she, I just sped read it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on paragraph two. <laughs> so reading slow, I'm like, yes, I can do that. Yes. I like that idea, Greg. Good job. Thank you. So it set me free a little bit because, you know, you're like, read the Bible in a year. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe listen to the Bible in a year, which is the same, which oh, another thing that gave me freedom. I don't know. This is nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it's just coming. So we're talking about it. Anyway, so we're stopping. He's knocking at the door. God's knocking at the door. We're getting back on track. If you're a youth kid, you know exactly what I'm doing. I'm getting off on my tangents, and sometimes they're awesome, and sometimes they're not. Um, I guess that's for you to decide. So he's knocking at the door. Okay, free will. You can answer your door. I don't know. It's up to you. That's one of the kind of pitfalls or, or little keys here. Do you get up? Do you not get up? So we have the, the 
choice whether we are going to answer our door when God knocks. Um, so no one's going to answer your door for you. No one's going to get up or lift you up and take you to the door. God uses people on earth. God is no longer tangibly himself on the earth except for in us. We are the tangible, the, the thing that people can feel and touch and, and, and have a tangible experience with God. We are that. So if you want God to move in your life, maybe it is you that needs to get up and go to the door. Just a thought. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, that God was here when, when Jesus was here and he was walking around on earth and, and, and then Jesus left. And, and it, not to put God in a box, God can move without anyone. He can do what he wants, whatever. However, he uses people much of the time, much of the time. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely a key to, to think about getting up ourselves and going to open that door. Um, and we, we are a society that is uh, full of the need for or, uh, quick fixes. We're, we're a culture of instant gratification. The answer to everything is just Google it, or as Rachel likes to say, consult the Google. She's trying to get that going instead of Google it. I don't know. I don't know if it'll catch on. CTF or CTG? I don't know. There's <laughs> too many acronyms. I can't remember everything. So Google it. It's, it's the kids in school that I teach. I'm a teacher, if you didn't know. I teach 7th uh, and 8th grade band. But um, they, they don't want to search for the answer except for search Google for the answer. And, the, and they want Google to tell, tell them the answer. And a lot of times we, we have an issue in our body and, and we go to the doctor and we want a pill. And the doctor says, well, uh, maybe, like, for some things, like, oh, well, maybe diet, diet and exercise. It's, it's, get, it's the key. It's huge in a lot of things. Diet and exercise. Oh, well, yeah, you have a pill for that? Like, can't I just take something every morning and just go about my same life? Don't have to change nothing I'm doing and just fix it? Just fix it. <laughs> um, that's what we want. Like, that's such our, like, the mindset of our society. It's, it's we need and we want without having to do anything for it. Um, and it's, it's a horrible, I think, a horrible, horrible mindset that we have to fight because it's becoming not only a part of our culture, but now a part of our human nature. And it might already have been. And, and it's something that we have to fight because it's, I don't think, it's godly. I don't think it's a godly thing that we, we ask for something without something in return. I, a lot of times in the Bible it says, uh, that you have to do something in order to get it. Even salvation. What did you have to do? Accept it. <laughs> like you had to be willing. You have to be willing. You can't just sit there and be like, sweet, that's awesome. Sweet, okay. You have to, you have to go and do it. You have to get up. You have to respond. You have to raise your hands to praise. You have to go to the altar when you want to get saved. You have to go to someone to get prayed for if you want healing. You have to do something in order for something to happen. And notice every time you have to get up and praise, you do. You have to go to, to the, the prayer teams and have them pray for someone is doing something on you. God didn't go poof. Oh, oh hey, God. Oh, you're big. Um, hi. Oh, I mean, should I turn around? Okay, can you pray for me? No, you went to a human being that you're comfortable with, that you know, that lives near you, that goes to church with you, that you have a relationship with, that you're comfortable with to pray for before you and that's when God came in and did whatever your need was there okay so he's at the door and he's knocking always 
by the way. He didn't say, that's cool also that it doesn't, like the next scripture is, I am knocking ten times, and then I go away. <laughs> that's great that it's not that. So he's knocking at the door, and as far as I know, he continues to knock until something happens, i.e. you go up or you die. <laughs> those are, basically, those are the two options. You go and get the door, and you open it, or you wait your entire life, and it's so sad to see some people waiting like my, my parents and, and my brother and things like that where they could so use God and need God. And I'm like, it's mind-boggling. Anyway, sidetrack. Um, so so now we're at the door. I'm assuming that I'm, I'm opening the door. Okay, here's God. All right, so think about how someone comes over to your house and you open the door and you, hey, what's up? Okay, first thing you do is who is this person knocking on my door? Do I know them? How well do I know them? And that's, that's at that point, you... you decide what you're going to do with them. Was it a planned visit, whatever? Are you going to just talk to them on the porch? Are you going to let them into your, your, your foyer, if you got one of there, your doorstep? Or are you going to let them come, hey, come on in, you know, let's uh, hang out on the couch or whatever. So depending on who the person is and your relationship with them, you're going to allow them into different areas of your home. Um, it's, it's a little weird to have a stranger come and knock on your door not going to unlock my screen door for you, stranger. Talk right here. <laughs> this is fine with me, right? <laughs> oh, hey, it's, you know, neighbor down the street. Oh, you got a pie? Sweet, thanks. Come, I'll open my screen for you. <laughs> a little bit more relationship. I know who you are. I know of you. Uh, oh, my friend, you know. Come on in. Let's, let's, you know, let's have some, some fun. Let's hang out. Relative getting further down into the line here as far as relationship like blood relation hopefully I don't if my brother were to come whether I liked him or not or whatever I'd probably let him in for a longer period of time than I would just let some friend um, and then and then even down the line to someone that is living there like when Rachel comes home it's a completely different story she has access to everything in the house not one inch or space of the house is mine and not hers we're married, um, so everything that is mine is hers, and everything that is hers is mine. So she can go into the bedroom. She can go into my closet or our closet. She can go into any room, any cupboard, any 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 space, and any inch, and look and see and change and move and do whatever she wants. And I'm okay with that because I have a relationship with her. I met her. We became friends. We became dating friends, we became engaged, we became married, and now we're living our life together daily. More than some, actually. When I tell people, I was just at the dentist the other day, which is awesome and fun, um, but, you know, they try to talk to you, like, and they're like, how's your life? I'm like, you really expect me to talk to you while you're sticking a sharp object in my mouth? Are you kidding me? But anyway, so they take it out, and you say two words, and they shove it back in, and you get this, like, really, really long conversation to save a couple sentences. Um, but anyway, so I was talking to them about how, you know, me and, me and Rachel, where we met in college, and how we got jobs together, and we travel, you know, we commute together, and they're like, they're like, wow, you must really like your wife. I was like, I hope you like your wife, too. That's what it's supposed to be like. Um, uh, so yeah, we love each other. We loved if I could spend every waking moment with Rachel, which it's really close right now, and I'm really, really fretting the day that it, it changes, um, which it might eventually, which will be sad, but it'll it'll be good. Um, I love it. I love spending time with her. There's absolutely nothing I like doing more. So 
that relationship has, has it's an intimate relationship. And so when we, were, when we were getting married, intimacy is something that we talked about in our premarital counseling with uh, Roger Halverson. And I, I think I'm going to get this right. He, he broke down the word intimacy, and he said it like this. He said, into me you see. Kind of like a definition of intimacy. Into me you see. And, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. How, how many people do I really let in to me and let them see exactly who I am. Only, only God and myself truly know every little thing about myself, but how many people are getting close to, at one, how, God knows it whether you like it or not, but <laughs> you might be in denial <laughs> whether you're actually letting him or not. Um, I would like to think that I'm letting God into all of me and letting him see. How some, however, sometimes I kind of hold on doesn't not know about them, but I'm not letting him have access to. So I was thinking about intimacy and what creates intimacy in a person, um, or with a person, rather. And I came up just kind of quickly with with four different different things. The first one uh, being time. How much time with you you spend with someone um, deepens your level of intimacy with them, whether you like it or not. You spend um, a bunch of time with someone, you're going to get to know them. Good, bad, ugly. Um, I spent several summers touring the country and, and, and this, this country and other countries with a group of about 150 people doing drum corps, marching and playing and, and stuff. We slept in the same gym and, and traveled on the same buses and all this stuff. So we got to know each other, like it or not, and that was just simply by proximity. So the more time I spend with someone, the, the more... The more I get to know them, the more intimate we become. Inevitably, there's going to be conversations, and those conversations are hopefully going to evolve because it's talking about the same thing over and over again. It's boring. So, <laughs> you know, so the more time you spend with God, the more time you spend reading the Word, the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend in worship, the more time, the more intimate you become with Him. Just simply by time, like nothing else. It's not go read this book or go go take this course, just time. If, like, I love praise and worship music. I love being, just being in his presence. And that's, like, when, when I was first a Christian and, and, you know, in high school and stuff and very educationally minded being in school and, and they're like, you got to read your Bible and blah, blah. I'm like, oh, God, another thing to read. It was really intimidating. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, worship is awesome. This is just amazing. And so I really, you know, understood that and, and appreciated the fact of how much he loves our willingness to come and worship and just sit in his presence and how much the same effect it has on you as reading the word and praying. It, they're all important. None, to my knowledge, greater than the other. But the, the, the greatness comes from the, the collective, all of them doing it. Well, you can't have one and, and, and be it. You can't just be a praiser or just be the prayer guy or, you know, just be the, if you have all word, if you're so smart in the word, but you don't pray and you, and you don't praise and who cares? Like you're just a bookworm. We make fun of you in school. <laughs> just honesty. Uh, um, okay. So the second one, so time. Then, so the second one is experiences um, is what I, what I was thinking of. So experiences. So with me and Rachel, we've gone through stuff 
together. A lot of stuff as time has progressed. Um, so you can spend time with people, but not, not experience things with them. When you are having life experiences with a person that you are spending time with, it goes to a deeper level, in my opinion, um, of your level of intimacy. So, so we've gone through things like you know, dating and, and engagement and, and getting married at apparently too young of an age, according to my parents, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> but we made it. They were just worried. They're just, I'm their baby and all this business, right? So, and then, you know, graduating college and, and getting jobs for the first time and, and get, trying to get pregnant and having a kid and going through, um, you know, the first stages of Daphne's life and, and you know, eventually having more kids and, and the more experience, life experiences that we allow someone else to be a part of with us, the more intimate we, we become with that person. So allowing God to be a part of the life experiences that you experience, allowing God to have a say and an opinion, because inevitably, having those experiences with Rachel, we both had to be in an agreement to have them. I could, she could have said no. (laughs) I probably wouldn't be here anymore, (laughs) right? I'm just saying, like, that we both had to be in agreement, and, and we had to live that together. Um, same thing with God. We, you have to be in agreement with God to allow him to be a part of your experiences. Um, and the best way is to let him lead um, and you follow. It's a little bit less uh, 50-50, more 100 zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a math person, so that makes sense to me. Um, so that's the second one. So time and uh, experiences. The third, the third thing is honesty. Um, the more honest you are with someone, the more intimate you become. Um, hiding, hiding things and 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 lying or fibbing or hold, withholding truth um, tears down walls that maybe have been built up of, of that, of that relationship. Um, so complete honesty with God about everything you are. It's so funny that we do this, but I I mean, I'm, I'm plenty guilty of thinking that I can hide something from God and then thinking that when I go to him, he's going to be surprised by what I tell him (laughs) when all he just wants is an immediate response to him and an immediate uh, an, imme- an immediate apology and an immediate repentance meaning uh, turn from whatever that is and, and come back to him the longer we wait he, he's been open and accepting and at the door knocking from the time it happened and we're sitting at the couch like oh no I can't go to the door he's gonna know what I did Duh, he knows, like, duh, get up and go. He's just going to give you a hug. Like, calm down. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> honesty. Uh, this is, like, this is the shortest one for me because it seems like a no-brainer, but I don't know. Maybe it doesn't for other people. And the last one uh, is trust. Uh, you got to be able to trust uh, the person that you're in rel- an intimate relationship with because without trust, um, it, it's, it's not going to work because the way it's supposed to work, at least, so I'm using marriage a lot in, 
And if you read the Bible, that's a pretty good analogy between, you know, God and the church and us and stuff. So, um, if you don't, it's supposed to work. I have Rachel's back, 100%. So if we were in a battlefield and, and everybody was around us, and I'm in front of, this is what's in front of me, and she's behind me. I'm supposed to go like this. Turn my back to the fire. And make sure that no one's coming after her. And I have to trust that she's not also facing her front. Because <laughs> then we're probably both not going to do well. I have to trust that she's doing the same. And that she's facing my back. And getting my, you know, backfire. And that's how it works. If at, one, if at any point there's not the trust and someone goes the opposite direction, it, it's, it's not going to work. You're, you're dead in the water, right? You're going to get shot. Um, trust involves faith. Faith, believing for what you don't understand or don't see. You're trusting for something you don't, you don't have yet. Uh, and for me, that's... It's been kind of a hard thing sometimes. Um, I'm very logical. I'm very uh, concrete. I like to know how things are going to work out. I like to see the road ahead of me. I like to be able to know where the curves are and, w- and avoid the obstacle. I, it's how I like to be. It's more comfortable. <laughs> so, so trusting and having faith for something I don't quite know what the answer to is, is hard. It's hard. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a challenge and a struggle, but it's the way it's got to be. If we want to see, if we want to really have uh, God's purpose and God's plan and really want to walk on his line, he might, he, he, he has a bigger view than we have. He sees the road further than we can. We might just see a straight, but he sees a curve going this way, and we're like, oh, it's got to be going to the left. I know it's going to go to the left. Come on, left. Come on. And then, boom, right. And you're like, oh, I wasn't paying attention to God. I thought I was left, and I just crashed. I just got off course. Man, dang it. Come on, God. Right, so you go back on. So kind of an example, kind of an example, I guess. I'm going to read uh, out of Matthew um, a story about Peter in, in Matthew 16. 21. So it's where uh, Jesus predicts his death, death. And it says, starting in verse 21, from the time, uh, from that time on, Jesus began to explain uh, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised uh, to life. Peter uh, he, Peter took him aside, so he, he takes Jesus aside, and he, and he began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Um, and then Jesus turned to Peter and responds to him by saying, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You're not, uh, you do not have the mind uh, in the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So, I'm going to stop there for a second, or maybe the whole time. I'm not sure. Um, so, I'm th- so I think about this story. So again, back to the reading slowly. So I'm going to go back and digest this a little bit out loud. Um, so Peter, one of, one of Jesus' disciples, 
Um, who, by the way, like right before this, it, it, the big heading in my Bible says, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> like, so the story right before this is, is Peter like proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That I think he's read up, he's done a little bookworming, and he knows who this dude is, right? Okay, so in this, so then right after that, Jesus is like, dudes. <laughs> That's how I talk to the youth, and I, I, that's how I have to read the Bible. Dudes, disciples, we're, uh, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to have to die, and then I'm going to get raised up, all right? That's how it's going to be, because it's got to happen that way. And Peter's like, no! no! Why? Because he's a disciple. He's a friend of God. He has a relationship. He has an intimate relationship. He's spent time with Jesus. He's had some experiences with Jesus. He cares about Jesus. He loves Jesus, and he doesn't want to see him die on the cross. What? No, buddy, you're like besties, BFFs. Come on. You can't happen. That can't happen. No, no, it's not going to happen. So, because the, the word set this off was Jesus going, get behind me, Satan. What? Dude, it's Peter. Like, he's not Satan. He's Peter. He's your disciple. He's your friend. What? Jesus? No. So, but he goes on to explain that he doesn't have the mind of God. He doesn't understand the big picture. Because the big picture is he's got to do this if Peter's going to be saved. <laughs> and we're going to be saved. Thanks, God. <laughs> Thank God. Peter, you almost messed it up for us. <laughs> right? Thank God that Jesus had the mind of God and that he said, no, Peter, get behind me. I have to do what I've got to do. You're not going to get in my way. I'm with God. I know his plan. I have an intimate relationship with my father. I only do what he does. I only say what he says, and I'm not going to let you tell me any different. So, intimacy. Jesus had that intimate relationship. Peter did not. Two examples uh, of, uh, of what we could be or where we could be at. Um, there, so it's kind of like a spectrum of where you could be. You could be sitting on your couch and, and not have even got up to go and, and answer the knock at the door. You could be maybe opening up the door and not really knowing who Jesus is and kind of just having a conversation on the porch. Maybe you know him a little bit and you let him in. Maybe you've gotten to the point where you've given your life to him, but he's still just a friend. And, and he, he can go in a few rooms of your house, and he can make you food because, you know, that's good. He can give you good things. That's great. He can bring presents over. But he can't go in that room. That, no, that, that's, no, and he certainly can't open those drawers because there's some, some, some chonies in there, and, and that's weird because, right, he can't do that. That's not his – we don't have that kind of relationship yet. Or maybe you're at the point where, where you're getting closer to – where Jesus is, where he has full access, and the only things you do is what he does, and, and he goes and tells you what to do, and he picks out uh, the, the plan for you, and, and you are so in tune with him that you're only walking with him like Jesus was, which is the ultimate goal, which will never happen, but I, we strive our hardest to, to be as close to that as possible. Um, so, Peter, having spent some time, having had some experiences, but lacking a little bit of faith, maybe, and a little bit of trust in, in, in Jesus, was confused and a and little bit led astray because he tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. If we want to get the big picture for our life, we have to become more intimate with God. We have to spend more time with God. 
if we want to be able to understand the purpose that God has on our life, like Jesus understood the purpose on his life that God had put on him from the time that he was born, and fulfill that purpose, we have to become more intimate with God. We have to spend more time with him. We have to let God be a part of our experiences and our life. We have to be honest with God through everything about our past, about our future, about what we did five seconds ago, and about what we're thinking about doing in five minutes. And we have to trust him. We have to let him lead us and guide us. And we have to have faith. And it's so amazing when you, you do. Because he's such a good God. He is so faithful. He will not leave that door until you open it. And he will continue to open drawers and open, open closets. And, and, and if you allow him, he'll, he'll clean stuff out. Which is a part of... <laughs> Uh, of being in a more intimate relationship, you start allowing that person to go through your dirt. <laughs> and you're like, oh God, it feels better when you clean it than I because I suck at cleaning and it, it really isn't very fun. So thank you that <laughs> you can just clean up my junk and, and get it out of there. It's much better when someone c- comes and cleans my house than <laughs> when I have to get down on my knees and scrub some toilets. It's really gross, right? Sometimes he'll make you, but sometimes he'll do it for you. Um, so wherever you're at, whether you're needing to get up on the couch or off the couch, whether you're needing to let him in or whether you're needing to go to that deeper place where you allow him to open up your drawers and clean out a little bit of something. I I just want to challenge you to continue to go further and deeper and continue to grow because it's it's an ongoing process. It's not like um, we get saved or or whatever and, and then we're over. There's so much more, so much more. Why waste the time that we have on this earth and just sitting, doing nothing, when, when we have a purpose both here and when we die to go and go to heaven? Fulfill the, pur- pur- <laughs> fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Figure out the purpose. Get more intimacy. If you don't know the purpose, you've got to figure out the purpose. Become more intimate. Spend more time. Have experiences with God. Be honest with him. Trust him. Let him guide you. And always continue to go.